Good morning, Calvary. Good to see you all here today, and what a joy it is for me to be here again. You know, it was uh, almost exactly, and think it was exactly a year ago today that I stood up here with my friend Kjartan from Iceland and uh, interviewed him and uh, preached, and at the very beginning of the pandemic. Can you believe that? A year ago. Uh, what a year this has been. And um, thank you, uh, Dan and elders, for keeping this congregation safe. Uh, this is, uh, as Dan said, an issue of unity and an issue of safety. And I applaud you and commend you for that uh, decision. Speaking of Iceland, uh, we would ask your prayers for the Icelandic people. Uh, this past two weeks, on the Reykjanes Peninsula in Iceland, where the airport is, there have been 34,000 earthquakes. And an eruption is uh, imminent, uh, according to the scientists there. Uh, many of our friends uh, feel have felt the shocks of these earthquakes. Uh, many people are nervous and upset. And... Uh, Please pray for the Icelandic people uh, during this time. Pray that God will even use this to draw people to himself uh, in the midst of calamity that, as the coronavirus has taught us, is out of our control. But God can use these things to bring people to himself. So let's pray that... Uh, God will do that among the Icelandic people. We appreciate your prayers. Now, let's uh, read from the scripture. And uh, today we're focusing on two scriptures in particular uh, from the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians. So first, uh, let me read for us from, Col from Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And the apostle Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. And then from the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, Paul says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you, have, you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Pray with me, would you? Our Heavenly Father, we come into your presence today deeply grateful for your forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. Thank you that we may receive that forgiveness and thank you that we may pay it forward, particularly in the way we relate to one another in the family of God, the body of Christ, your church. Lord, speak today through your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. I pray that you would speak in spite of me. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts bring glory to your name. 
Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I read an article in USA Today entitled, Forgiveness Could Be a Balm for the Body, Too. The author writes about a campaign, the work of, a, of an organization called the Campaign for Forgiveness. And according to the findings of more than 40 scientists and researchers in this particular organization, chronic unforgiveness can cause stress. Every time, one writer says, every time people think of their transgressor, their body responds with stress. And stress, as we know, can lead to all kinds of unfortunate consequences. Disease, heart and circulatory issues, and on and on the list goes. Forgiveness, on the other hand, according to these researchers, leads to a reduction in depression, anger, stress, cardiovascular disease, and pain. And learning to forgive, they say, can lead to improvements in hope, compassion, self-confidence, and even a healthier immune system. Amazing that secular psychology has recognized the, the blessings of learning to forgive one another. And oh, how we need to learn to forgive in our culture today. In the U.S., millions of people are on sides of a political divide that is simply tearing our nation apart. When the results of a presidential election lead many of us to see our neighbors who didn't vote the way we do as the enemy, what in the world have we come to? When we cannot gather around a table for a large family meal because of the anger and unforgiveness over politics, let alone COVID, we're in a bad place, my friends. And that's not even taking into account all the other domestic and other social spaces where unforgiveness rules the day. Forgiving may be beneficial, but it's often hard to come by. The Apostle Paul assumes that where the church is, Christ is. And where Christ is, there is life, health, and peace. The church is called to be an environment of grace and a community of grace where its members are learning to live in relationships of grace. It is in this community that we are called and enabled by Jesus to do the work of forgiving. We're called to be a fellowship of forgivers that witness to the world of our Savior, the great forgiver, the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, why is it so often that churches are unsafe places of ungrace and unforgiveness. Why aren't we able to forgive? And why don't we know how to help others toward forgiveness and reconciliation? If we are to be the forgiving people 
who Jesus wants us to be, people who forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us, then we're going to need to understand some things about who we are. We're going to need to learn to adjust our attitude according to that understanding. And we're going to all need to enter into a program of spiritual training where we develop certain habits and practices. It's called discipleship. Learning how to know, love, and follow Jesus in our daily lives and relationships. So let's take a look at what the apostle is teaching about forgiving one another with three things in mind. First of all, the atmosphere in which we forgive one another then the attitude we need to adopt in forgiving each other, and finally the activity center in which we work, and yes, it is work, at forgiving each other. First of all, there's an atmosphere in which we are learning to forgive. Read Ephesians 4.32 again with me. Be kind, the apostle says, and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. The meaning of the word forgive here is simply give. It comes from a root word that means grace. Paul uses this word for forgive when speaking of forgiving one another as Christians. It's different from another word translated in our Bibles, forgive, which means to cancel, remove, or remit. Paul only uses that word when he speaks of the forgiveness of God toward us. Now, why is this significant? Because Paul bases all his teaching about forgiveness on the grace of God in Christ. Christians forgiving other Christians, friends, is fundamentally different than the world's concept of forgiveness because it takes place in a totally different atmosphere. In order to understand the difference between our forgiving one another in the church and ordinary forgiveness between people outside of the fellowship, we need to grasp a central truth about the believer's environment. It is contained in that little phrase, in Christ, or in the Spirit. Listen as I read from the beginning of this letter to the Ephesians that we've quoted from, and notice all the times the phrases like in Christ are used. Paul begins his letter, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his children through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him 
we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness, and there's that other word again, remittance, removal, cancellation of sins. He goes on to say, in him we were chosen. And you also, believers, were included in Christ. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Notice that the phrase in Christ is also connected with the phrase in the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. Now listen to what James Stewart says about this in his book, A Man in Christ. Here is the key to the phrase in Christ, he says. Listen, Christ is the redeemed person's new environment. He or she has been lifted out of the cramped restrictions of this earthly lot into a totally different sphere. He or she has been transplanted into a new soil and a new climate, and both soil and climate are Christ. Friends, we cannot understand or appreciate Paul's teaching about forgiving one another or any of the other things he says about how Christians behave without understanding this. We who belong to Christ and are members of his church operate in a different environment than the world. That is, if the church is more than just a social club. You see, the fact of the matter is, the church without Jesus is not the church. Unless Jesus Christ is the atmosphere in which forgiving takes place, none of what Paul says here makes any sense. Extending the gift of forgiveness to other believers depends on our own understanding of the environment of grace in which we are called to live called being in Christ. So this is the atmosphere in which we are to forgive. And Paul also says there's an attitude we need to adopt in forgiving one another. And this Colossians 3, 13. Paul says again, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So again, Paul starts his letter to the Colossians by reminding them of the truth about their new environment. He calls them the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. This is who we are, my friends. We are in Christ. He reminds the Colossians also of where they are. In chapter 1, he says, For he, God, rescued us from the dominion of darkness... And brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is where we are. We're in a different place. We're in the kingdom of his beloved Son. Again, Paul uses the meaning, removal of our sins in Christ, to demonstrate that we've come into this domain of forgiveness as believers. Now then, in this new kingdom, in this atmosphere of grace, we receive forgiveness as a gift of God. And based on that then, 
Here is what Paul says our attitude should be as believers. Since then, he says in Colossians 3, 1-4, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Our heart attitude ought to be, then, that we are no longer living to please ourselves or acting out of our natural tendencies, but we're learning to adopt a new way of thinking and behaving, the Christ way of thinking and behaving. Extending the gift of forgiveness as believers to one another presupposes that we have adopted a different attitude toward one another. You are not just John, Mary, Maria, Carol, Dan, whoever. You are my brothers and sisters in Christ. We do it because we are learning to adopt a new attitude where our emotions and our thinking is first of all directed to Christ. And then comes the work. So we have a different atmosphere we live in. We are to adopt a different attitude in our forgiving of each other. But now this activity center, this workroom in which we practice forgiving one another. And again, the word here in these two verses for forgiving one another has the meaning of give graciously or freely give. I really think that J.B. Phillips has captured the essence of the meaning best. Listen to how he translates these two verses. Be kind to each other, be understanding, be as ready to forgive others as God for Christ's sake forgave you. And in Colossians, be most patient and tolerant with one another, always ready to forgive if you have a difference with anyone. Forgive as freely as Christ has forgiven you. So, we're really talking about being ready and eager to forgive because we are paying forward the gracious gift of God's canceling and removing our sins in Christ. Based on our being in Christ and our discipleship towards becoming more like Christ, we are to always be ready to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ. But now we come to the activity of forgiveness. And here, I'm confessing to you, this is where the real work begins. Believe me, I know. Okay? In fact, to my mind, forgiving one another may be best described as a workroom. When we begin to forgive another person, especially another Christian, we enter into this workspace. Now, like when we're going to work, 
The work of forgiveness begins with putting on the right clothing. When I work in the kitchen, as I did yesterday, making breakfast for the family, I put on an apron. When we work in a garage, we put on coveralls. When we work outside in the yard or paint the house, we don't wear clothes like this, right? We put on clothes appropriate to the work. The clothing we put on in the forgiveness workshop is the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ's character made available to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Paul says in Romans. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, as we prepare for this work of forgiving, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't think about what we would do if we were not in Christ. We are already in Christ as we've been reminded, when we clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus, we are availing ourselves of the gift of the Holy Spirit. We deliberately open ourselves up to the Spirit's work of bearing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Listen again to how Paul describes this in Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. The fruit of the Spirit. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And over all these virtues, put on love. That's what we've been hearing about the last two weeks. Love one another. Put on love which binds all these other things together in perfect unity. Why do we do things like wear masks and consider one another? Because of love. Because love is what binds us together in perfect unity, my friends. Practically, for forgiving, in the workshop of forgiveness, Putting on Jesus Christ means recentering ourselves in Jesus, right? One good way to prepare for the work of forgiveness is to sit quietly in the Lord's presence, perhaps meditating on a passage of Scripture or simply imagining ourselves sitting at the feet of Jesus like Mary did in that wonderful story of Mary and Martha, just open to hearing what the Lord wants to say to us. Have an honest conversation with the Lord. Use the Lord's Prayer, perhaps. We prayed that today. Remain before the Lord in that position until you're calm and quiet. Now, having put on the clothes for the work, we're now ready to, in the workshop, assess the job of forgiving that's in front of us. Now, please note there are no two cases of forgiveness alike, right? Here are some examples of types of forgiveness, questions to ask, and assessments to make. Some offenses, for example, are relatively easy to deal with. Remember, we are to be always ready to forgive. In some cases, I may just be annoyed with somebody, right? And if so, I may ask the Lord, are you just asking me to 
bear with this person? Maybe they're just having a bad day. Perhaps they have no idea that they've hurt me. Can I just let it go, Lord, or do I I need to take an additional step to understand this person? Sometimes, as my friend Ragnar in Iceland used to say, he's with the Lord now, to understand is to forgive. Abraham Lincoln once said to an, about another person, I don't like that man. I need to get to know him better. That's a good attitude to have, especially with people we don't know well. But then there are times when someone has wounded me deeply, deliberately, or repeatedly. If so, I may need to examine the wound. I may need to describe it out loud to myself and to the Lord. I might need help in this from another believer. I know a woman, for example, who was deeply wounded by both of her parents as a child. She was unable to face this wounding until some members of her church formed a safe circle around her and helped draw out what had happened to her. And this was the beginning of her path toward healing. James encourages us, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another that you may be healed. In our assessment, we also may need to ask, is the person I need to forgive available, unavailable, or even dangerous? This is an important question. This assessment will determine, to a great extent, the course of action open to us. Sometimes we have no idea where the person is who's hurt us anymore. Sometimes they're dead. And some who have hurt us, frankly, may be more dangerous to us, and it's best for us not to confront them. So having now listened to the Lord, decided on who the person is, and what they've done that needs forgiving, we need to decide on a course of action using the resources available to us in the workspace. If the person is available and we're spiritually ready to forgive, hoping the relationship can be restored, then perhaps it's best to do what Jesus tells us in Luke 17. If your brother sins, rebuke him, Jesus said. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. In other words, find the brother or sister who has hurt you, share with them exactly what it is you believe they have done, and if they agree with you and ask your forgiveness, then in the Spirit of Christ extend to them the gracious gift and forgive them. Do it repeatedly if necessary. You know, children are a great test of this, aren't they? Children, little children, come to us repeatedly. They've done something, maybe the same thing. They ask us to forgive them. And when they come to us, or when anyone comes to us whom we've confronted and they repent, they need to hear from us, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's okay. Now, if the brother or sister doesn't agree that they've done anything wrong, and we feel it's serious enough, then we may need to follow what Jesus tells us in Matthew 18. We go to the person first, confront them. They don't admit they've done anything wrong, don't repent. Then we take 
one or two others with us. If they still won't listen to them, then we go to the next step and tell it to the church. Use what the resources are that Jesus has given us for the sake of forgiveness and for the health and peace of the church. Now, unfortunately, there are cases where Christians have been abused physically, emotionally, and even spiritually by other Christians. If the brother or sister or congregation is dangerous, we may need to remove ourselves, we may need to avoid them, we may need to put ourselves into a place of safety, we may even need to involve the legal authorities. Even Paul the Apostle appealed to Caesar to avoid being handed over to the Jewish authorities whom he knew were going to kill him. We may choose to forgive these kinds of people as well, but it can't be done without acknowledging first that this person or persons have indeed sinned against us and identifying what they have done. If the person is no longer available or dead, then we probably still need to do the work of unpacking exactly what they've done to hurt us before the Lord and with the help of others if necessary. And then we'll need to work with God at identifying what to do with our emotions, honestly, and how to find the path toward forgiving and healing. Please remember, forgiveness does not equal reconciliation. They are not the same thing. Reconciliation means that the broken relationship has been restored to the satisfaction of all involved. Forgiving the other person does not always bring reconciliation, but a willingness to forgive does make reconciliation possible. Now let me close today with the words of a friend of mine. Dear friend, her name is Cindy. Cindy was the victim of child abuse at the hands of both her parents who were considered to be leaders in their church. They never admitted their guilt to their dying day and the church of which they were members shunned Cindy because she dared to cast a shadow on her parents who were supposedly upstanding Christian people. She writes the following from her experience of the process of healing with Jesus. She writes this, There's a popular belief in Christian circles that forgiveness is an easy sweeping away of wrongs done. This is a myth. Forgive and forget is a fallacy. It is a cheap and faulty fake. True forgiveness is a costly and painful process. This is not the time to play the nice Christian and cover over the ugly truth. We need to be brutally honest and take a detailed inventory of what has been lost, stolen, or otherwise destroyed. This whole process, writes Cindy, is the work of forgiveness. The depths of our devastation must be delved, not for the terrible purpose of feasting on our sorrows, she says, no, 
the searing light of truth must expose every corner of our lives where the corrosive corruption has twisted healthy thought and feeling. Then, the scalpel, she uses a, uh, the illustration of a, a surgeon, then the scalpel of truth can cut it away. We can surrender then our hurts and injustices. Our surgeon, says Cindy, is the gentle healer who bears all our sorrows. Healing is in his wings. Let's not denigrate forgiveness to a work of magic. True forgiveness needs a skillful surgeon, an arduous treatment plan, and a brave patient. As Christians, we are to become those who are ready and eager to forgive because we live in an atmosphere of grace, for we are in Christ. We're developing an attitude of directing our actions and emotions to Christ. We're ready to enter into Christ's workspace of forgiving others. In Jesus, dear friends, and with him, the work of forgiving each other is sometimes a light work, sometimes a heavy work. But it brings life and health and peace. The workspace given to us is amply supplied with tools. It's a community space where others can be drawn in to help us. And it's a gracious space where we can forgive because God in Christ has forgiven us. As we learn to forgive, let us ask the help of the one who said this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen.